Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel and interesting issues and challenges that employers and business owners are facing today during these trying times. And in that regard, I'm happy tonight to welcome our special guest, Mitch Beinhacker from Beinhacker Law. Mitch, welcome to the show. Great to have you on this evening. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Sure thing. Looking forward to our discussion tonight uh, with our audience uh, listening. I'm sure it'll be a good one for everyone to uh, to listen to. And and uh, and folks, feel free to comment and if you like in the comment section during the show. Um, so I'm going to just uh, introduce you. Mitch uh, to our audience. Um, as I mentioned, folks, my guest tonight is Mitchell C. Beinhacker, uh, Esquire, a corporate attorney and business advisor <clears throat> who runs a solo legal and consulting practice, Beinhacker Law LLC, representing business owners, entrepreneurs, executives, and professionals. He has extensive experience with corporate governance, commercial transactions, real estate, and estate planning. As a transactional attorney, Mitchell has handled the purchase and sale of multi-million dollar businesses, including insurance portfolios, restaurants, and even a small chemical company. He is the creator and host of his own podcast, The Accidental Entrepreneur, where he interviews successful business people and professionals who share their knowledge and help you develop your business. He has created over 200 episodes, impressive Mitch, and has reached his listeners as far as Australia, Singapore, London, and Canada. Mitchell is a graduate of Cornell University and received his law degree from New York Law School in New York City, NYU Law School. So, <clears throat> Mitch, I think really, um, again, really good that you're on the show with us this evening. Thanks for having me, Eric. I just want to clarify, I didn't go to NYU Law. I went to New York Law. It's a different school, so I don't want to get oh, criticized. Oh, right. My, my yeah. apologies there, right, at New York Law School. My, We're attorneys, so we have I to be accurate. Uh, yeah. Right. Very true. Yes, exactly. Very true. When I make sure we're reading accurate representation. Sure. I'm sorry about that. Um, I read it in my mind's eye. That way. Um, you're, right, you're in law school. Very, very good. Okay. So uh, as a take two here, we'll get into our topic. Um, our topic tonight is called <clears throat> Business Law Basics for Entrepreneurs. And really, we're talking about the fact that many business owners and entrepreneurs become so heavily focused on creating their products their goods or services, that they lose sight of the business law basics, such as having the necessary agreements, contracts, and business entity information documents in place as the foundation upon which to build their company's brand, their customer base, and their corporate culture. While it may be tempting to skip these business law steps <clears throat> or to use knockoff online templates and cookie cutter programs for legal documents, Doing so can result in very vague, incomplete documents, <clears throat> incorrectly filed entities, and a weak foundation, which can potentially leave your business more susceptible to litigation and long-term legal woes. So on tonight's episode of Employment Law Today, Mitchell and I will discuss some of the necessary business law items that you, the business owner, entrepreneur, and or employer ought to complete and have as you start or grow your business. And this is an issue Mitch, that's really kind of near and dear to my heart because as sure. you know, I'm also a fellow business law attorney. I, I practice business law and employment law. <clears throat> we have some similarities, some differences. I do commercial litigation. You do a lot of uh, corporate transactional work and, and certainly great business advising. Um, but I think that, you know, we probably share some similar philosophies around the importance of proactive approaches, you know. To yeah, I'm sure decision. we do. Yeah. I'm sure we do. And some of the stuff we do overlaps a little bit. I do NDAs, non-competes, non-solicited agreements. You know, I call it employment law light, not really heavy stuff that you do um, when it comes mm -hmm. to documenting stuff. You handle it when it blows up, probably, or, you know, yep. more in-depth stuff. Um, but it's, you know, it, it definitely in the same universe. It is. Yeah, we're definitely in the same, same circles and same stratosphere, for sure. Right. Um, you know, Mitch, my, my usual first question for my guests, I'm so curious about what kind of what gets people going in their fields and their current situation if you could just uh, tell us a bit more about yourself, mainly like how did your career initially start out and what prompted you to become a business law attorney and to open your firm, you know, Beinhacker Law? Um, well, you're going back. I've been practicing almost 30 years. So when I was in law school, I got very interested in 
um, estate and business planning. Um, I took a tax course. I was fascinated by all the tax planning you can do using corporations and other kinds of entities and trusts and all kinds of different things. And I, I just became very interested in it. Um, my father has been in the life insurance business for his entire career, probably till since the mid sixties. And I grew up around his office. So I, I, I got an interest in using uh, financial products in the process of estate and business planning. And I, I then uh, worked for different insurance companies. I lived in Columbus, Ohio for a couple of years working for Nationwide in their home office. And I used to travel around the country and I used to speak to um, agents and brokers and clients about basically how to use financial products in the planning process. So yeah. in trust planning and charitable planning and business planning. So as I, as I developed those skills, I started doing transactional work. I moved back here in uh, 98, I think uh, with my wife, who's my, I guess, fiance at that point, And we got married. No, we were married already. And we moved back and, mm -hmm. you know, I started a practice. I was with, um, I've just been in different firms, different partnerships and stuff over the years, but Pioneer Galoa started in, uh, middle of 2019 when I finally went back solo on my own. But I've always had an interest in drafting and crafting agreements and putting transactional work together. And, you know, I have a lot of connections in the in the planning business. So I used to get referrals. Can you do this person's will? And, oh, this person owns a business. They need an operating agreement. Mm -hmm. They need um, they need to have an entity form. They're buying a piece of real estate and I would do their commercial work. So over the years, my transactional business has really grown. My document drafting business. And let's include, you know, wills and trusts and those documents in there because it's all drafting, right? It's all pretty much sure. transactional work. Right. So yeah, I've just developed a skill and an interest into how to draft those kind of agreements over the last 30 years. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've, I've become very interested in the failure of business owners mm -hmm. to, you know, not document what they're doing. I mean, we're all very especially entrepreneurs, right? We're all very right brain, creative. We do yeah. things on a handshake. We're all excited. We're going to do this and that. And then something goes wrong and we got no way to prove it. You know, one party <laughs> says they did this. The other party says they did that. Um, they both, <laughs> they both believe it. Um, yep. And they're probably in some respects, both right. And right. it's, and it's what your controversies that you handle on the litigation side are made of. So Oh, yes. You know, I, I try to kind of carry the torch on on that kind of stuff now in terms of, you know, putting things in writing and, and doing it the right mm -hmm. way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that taking the last part of what you said first, Mitch, the lack of uh, having things in writing, lack of sort of doc, formal documentation. Yeah. Um, definitely an issue yeah. in business law, of course, as you mentioned, but in employment law, for sure, too. I mean, I've seen situations like where I represent like the employer. And I'm looking to see where are the, let's say, the performance evaluations, where are the progressive discipline warnings, right? Where are, let's say, witness statements about incidents right. that occurred that right. could be taken out of context. And so it's all sort of verbal and memory and discussions that were done over the phone or in person. So um, I, I, too, kind of, you know, I noticed that I think it's that they think, well, you know, we're like a family here, a small business, and they don't realize that even if you are a family-owned business, you still need to have everything documented of but, course and people you know, take so things out of context yeah. in the workplace all the time sure. you yes. know you uh, there's probably <clears throat> probably more claims of harassment or that are not in even intended you know that mm -hmm. the person who was doing the harassing overstepped the line and didn't realize what they were doing or didn't mean it that way whatever it's kind of irrelevant but it becomes an issue mm -hmm. you know when there's no mm -hmm. documentation or they fire somebody and they say well this person wasn't doing their job they have no way to prove it so yeah, I think that when it comes to putting things in writing in the employment uh, situation, it's very important. Absolutely. I think in both of our fields, definitely it's very important to do that. Yeah, for those reasons. Yeah. And, you know, kind of going back to what you said about your start and, and your origins and your background, your history with the legal field. It's funny because I have different guests where I ask them, how did you get into your current profession or desire to go into your field and or even just your own practice? And some folks have a story where they either it was a family business for several generations, or maybe they saw a need, you know, they went into the medical field because they were chronically ill as a child. But other times it's just, you know, a, a genuine interest in the different sort of the subject matter, right? The content, you know, the substance, the skills involved, you know, drafting, right? Writing uh, uh, different areas in terms of contracts and finance and transactions, um, estate planning. So it's kind of interesting. I, I tend to, I always thought, thought employment law, labor law would be fascinating fields. 
uh, even before law school, then got to law school and took them and realized they were actually my my cup of tea, so to speak. But good sure. to hear your background and your process in getting to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like some epiphany. I had an experience. The experience <laughs> I've had have been, you yeah. know, throughout my practice that kind of reinforced, you know, what I do and its importance. Because you know, just like you said, we come into situations afterward. Maybe yeah. you weren't the original lawyer, and I wasn't the original lawyer, and there's a controversy mm-hmm. or dis- dispute between two parties that tried to document it themselves that a very poor job of it. And Mm -hmm. you're trying to make a case out of something that's a mess. And those are not, you know, those are ones that cost a lot of money and have a lot of fight involved with them and aren't easy Mm -hmm. to, you know, to settle. So, you know, just seen time after time. Absolutely, Rich. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. You bring me to a question for you. I'm wondering, and I segue into our next question, which would be, what are the most common mistakes? You alluded to one of them just now, but what are the most common mistakes that you see in business owners when it comes to protecting the business law basics of their company? And in what ways can these mistakes be problematic? Right, right. Well, I mean, when it comes to documenting, so there's a couple of basic agreements that probably most business owners have, should have. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you are a uh, a solopreneur, you have an LLC, maybe you're the only member, you probably don't need an operating agreement. Although mm-hmm. you and I could probably make an argument why you do need an operating agreement because there are Sick no that, corporate yeah. rules that, right? Mm-hmm. But you probably could get away with it for a while without spending $2,500 or $3,500 getting an operating agreement done <clears throat> right. if you don't have partners. If you have a partner, you have to have an agreement because at the end of the day, it's that document that sets the rules up for how you run the business, who's responsible for what and so forth. Then you have to have agreements that you do business with, right? So you have to have customer agreements. You have to have vendor agreements. Now, some of them are in certain businesses, it's more difficult to use written signed contracts. Some people have click licensing when they, you know, enroll on your website. And some of them are more, obviously, you're not going to sign a contract every time you make a purchase at a grocery store, right? So, so if I'm right, so it's a little, it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario, but if you're in some sort of a business where you have a transaction that is more that needs to be more documented um, or or is required by law. And if you're in home mm-hmm. improvement, right, has to be in writing. Sure. There's certain statute of frauds that require writings. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of get your documents in order. And right. uh, and very often, and I think you and I talked about this offline when we were planning the show. Mm-hmm. People either go to a do-it-yourself website, like uh, I'll mention them, uh, uh, LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer. Lawyer, You know, I got to deal with it. You do too. And they get these agreements and ironically don't usually (laughs) save that much money. Um, I had somebody recently get an LLC set up and and I think it was LegalZoom, one of the two, charge them to get a tax ID number. And I tried to explain to them that those are free. From the federal government, he couldn't believe it. Right. So, right. yeah. so it's really not, they're not saving a lot of money and they're potentially causing a lot of problems. So the biggest right. part of agreements, it's pretty obvious if you're drafting your own agreement, what mm-hmm. your intention of the parties is. So you and I could go back and forth if we're lay people and kind of write out what our agreement's going to be. Now, people mm-hmm. don't always differentiate between the LLC and themselves and they, <clears throat> they don't define terms and they're just throwing words out there. Yeah. Okay, so that's bad enough. Thing. But then the... Yeah. And they, they're, you, so you're like, well, what's the venture? What's the partnership? What does this mean? What does that mean? Because that's what the litigation's made of, right? That when yes. people are trying to understand terms, there's ambiguities. Judges have to make decisions. The other side of yes. it is very often left out, which is the what if we don't agree on something? What if we dispute something? Mm. What if we're one person doesn't do their job, follows part of the agreement? What do we, what's the resolution to those right. disputes? And that's usually where these agreements fall apart. They don't have the other side of the agreement because you and I both mm-hmm. know that that's really the only reason you need the agreement. If everything works yeah. out and everybody's happy, we don't need anything in writing. Yeah, so they, they tend written. to leave that out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you, you, I get involved in a situation or you get involved in a situation. And the first thing mm-hmm. you're going to do is, well, show me what the agreement says. Does it call for arbitration or mediation or right. what does it call for? And they go, exactly. well, we don't, we don't have, we have some text messages and an email. Well, that's right. not going to help you. So. That is a huge deficit when it comes to these agreements. How do you resolve disputes with your customers and ultimately Mm -hmm. avoid litigation, which you and I both know can be very costly and can break and destroy some businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To set it up almost like a prenuptial agreement for businesses where you're setting up the rules. If we were to get divorced, if we're Mm going to break up, 
I don't want to have to go to you, Eric, or another attorney to file a partition action in court right. to get a judge to, to basically dissolve the business. They're not going to decide you get half and the other. They're going to dissolve the business ultimately mm -hmm. in a partition action mm -hmm. and spend a lot of money, right? And it's just detrimental to the business. That's not the point. So if you're going in and you're starting a business, you're excited about it, put it in writing, do it when you remember everything and you're all in agreement. You both mm -hmm. should have counsel, of course. Make yeah. sure terms are defined. It's clear to read. It has certain kind of provisions that you and I both know, general provisions that are left out, and it has a dispute mechanism. Maybe you right. do try to amicably settle, amicably settle it. Then you go to non-binding mediation, and then maybe you go to arbitration, mm -hmm. or maybe you don't, or whatever. But that is the, the the biggest part that's missing when it comes to the mistakes that business owners make. I'll, I'll get into some more of them as we talk, but. Absolutely. I mean, including choice of law provisions, where do you litigate a dispute in court? You know, sure. we've got more to say on this. We actually have to take our first commercial break. No, but right. I will say how refreshing it is to talk to a fellow attorney. You're preaching to the choir, Mitch. I'm right there with you. Everything you're saying, I say to my yeah. clients. I don't want to put you out of business, though, Eric. You get money out of no. litigation. So that's okay. still no, disputes, no, right? I do compliance, too. So it's a nice yeah. mix. So, you know, and there would be those that, but you know what? Our audience could take a lot from this, too. My hope is that they won't have litigation from watching this show and other shows. So folks, you're listening to you or watching Employment Law Today with our very special guest tonight, Mitch Beinacker, Beinacker Law. When we come back, we'll talk more about some of the business law basics that you need to make your company successful and to reduce the risk of litigation. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. To employment law today, and we host Eric Sauber, employment law attorney, here tonight with Mitch Beinacker of Beinacker Law, business law attorney. And Mitch, I'll just say a couple of things here before we go back to this question. I think it's a great question sure. we're talking about. Uh, first off, this again is music to my ears, stuff I, I say, and so to hear other people just kind of echoing it and, and sharing it from their perspective, um, maybe that's just the attorney in me for all these years that, that see, I, because I see clients who make the mistakes that you're talking about. Like I see ones that like, they come to me and they didn't have an alternative dispute resolution clause sure. or an arbitration resolution clause in place. And so, or they don't necessarily necessarily state where a dispute will be litigated if it does go to court. And so someone yeah. says, well, we both work in Florida. I'm in Florida, the business is in Florida, you're in New York, but if you want to litigate, come back to me in Florida. And the person's in New York saying, I can't afford you know, to right. go to Florida and stay there for two weeks, you know, three weeks at yeah. a time. So it's expensive, um, sure. 
Yeah, so, you know, I think really a good point there. And of course, another point you made that the overarching theme about the need to have contracts in place is like, it's a good point that when, if everything were to go perfectly smoothly and right and fine, then the contract might not really be relevant. If everyone always had a meeting of minds, there was never any dispute that couldn't be resolved. The way I see it, it's like, it's kind of like an analogy, a metaphor, if you will, of, you know, having health insurance. I mean, if you have health insurance sure. and you buy it, but if you never get sick a day in your life, you never get injured, never break your bone. Yeah, you didn't need it. Through a doctor. Yeah. Right, exactly. It was just, it was superfluous. But the chance of that being the case, just living your day-to-day life is rare. And when something does happen, if you have that insurance, you have a much better time than say getting surgery or repairing a broken arm, correct? Or, you know, treatment, right? Than having to do it um, just out of pocket. So I think that in some ways, I think that's an analogy which say that you know, there's you don't you make a mistake, you know, you don't have a contract in place, and now you're litigating right. what could be resolved more quickly. Yeah, I think your analogy is a very good one. There, there is no question that if you're a business owner and you're out there and you're active and you're looking for business and you're, you're, you're hiring employees and you're dealing with vendors and you got customers coming through the door. It's just a matter of time that you have a misunderstanding or dispute or a a disgruntled employee, or, you know, somebody files an EEO claim or whatever it happens to be. It's, it's not a question of if it's just a question of when, you know, I've had clients get into the real estate business. They're like, I don't have any problems with my tenants and we don't need to do evictions. I go, all right, well, just give it some time. And sure enough, down the road, Six months, four months later, they call me. I got a problem. We got to evict a tenant. Then, you know, it happens. So you can't, just like health insurance, right? You can't run your business without proper documentation, expecting to avoid the problems that every other business in America has. It's just the nature of doing business, right? It's the nature of people. Um, It's the nature of the way your mind works. Our minds tend to favor each other, but we're not like perfect machines that file things very neatly in our heads and we just pull it out anytime. Well, like a big box with sticky notes and everything's stuck to different things. You're mm. sure that you were here on this day and you and I met and we talked about this and maybe we're both wrong. Yeah. You know, there's been studies on all this stuff. So, and which is mm-hmm. a big problem in the employment law situation, because oh, yeah. if you don't have things documented, they're misunderstood. You have one person says this, the <clears> other person said, he said this, the other person's, you know, honestly, they're like, I don't remember saying that. And then somebody yeah. says, well, I heard them say that, but they didn't say it like this. It's right. all he said, she said, and it becomes a very big problem. So I try to get business owners, even on the mm-hmm. employment side, as they start to hire people, right? Right. To, you know, to document <clears throat> things, to, you know, maybe you don't have to worry about a, a, an employee stealing your proprietary information because maybe you don't really have proprietary information. And mm-hmm. maybe you really can't prevent them from ever having a job if they leave your company. Sure. But you can prevent them from stealing your customers, stealing yep. your employees, taking your books and records. So you got to have them, you know, sign a basic agreement. So at least when yeah. something like that happens and they go to you after I drafted that agreement, you have something to say, Hey, you sent them a cease and desist and you can go to court with it. Yep. And sometimes it's too, they do it after the fact and it becomes a problem. I mean, maybe not for the other employees, but for the one that took all their yeah. customers, good luck, you know? Right. Right. I had actually that happen with two former client businesses. You know, one I drafted a uh, a contract for they had that as you're referring to a non-solicitation clause right don't push my yeah. clients my customers right. and my employees and you know with all the proper writing that i put in there for them so that when they actually did have to sue someone who did quit and did take their uh clients and steal some intellectual property as well we were able to you know to, to really litigate and, and get some, some damages i had another client who came to me with their own documents and they did not want to um move to revise them they said well that's not important. We'll get to that later. I hired you to do X, Y, Z for me. So I took care of X, Y, Z. It's a labor law, department labor issue. And then right. sure enough, the employee left, took their, their clients with them, but they had only a very bare bones, basic reference to like, don't take my clients from a template off a line, um, offline. Didn't have the right definition of what clients are, right? The scope, yeah. the duration yeah. of time. So it really wasn't enforceable and there's not much we can do about it. So, and I, so I really hear a lot about this. I guess I'm hearing you say one of the most common mistakes you see is just the lack of a failure to document and formal contracts. And, right. and I'm wondering, is there any, maybe like a second most common mistake that you see perhaps with business owners when it comes to like the business law basics they're missing? Oh yeah, there's no question about it. And I'm a big fan of, planning. So a lot of business owners, they don't plan things out. They're not strategic about it and they don't put it in writing. Obviously the theme is putting things in writing all over the place with this discussion, but yeah, Yeah. but they, they, so the successful business owners that I've 
that I've worked for, that I've interviewed on my podcast, that I know and follow online or whatever, they are constantly reworking their business ideas and they don't do it, you know, in their head. And right. it doesn't have to be a 40 page document with charts and graphs and everything like that. It could be sure. a one page, you know, with the, if you've ever seen the lean canvas, it's like a one page, two page thing where in boxes where you just at least start out, you know, focusing on your company and product, the, the employees, the uh, marketing and the financial side, right? So you can start with those four things. And I constantly find business owners that are in trouble financially, the business is in trouble, whatever it is. And the first thing you say to them, well, what does your business plan say? And they look at me like, well, what, what, what do I need that for? I'm not raising money. I'm, right. I'm not a franchise. I didn't have to do a business plan. And it's right. a very, very, very common mistake. And, and it, it, it sometimes very often the difference between success and failure, because they don't even know what's wrong with the business when right. they're struggling. And, and that's, that's a very common mistake that can be fixed pretty mm -hmm. easily. You know, we don't have to go and pull down some Harvard business law, a business school plan. Right. You can do some mm -hmm. basics and it's a working document. Anyway, you got to change it. You got to use it, got to back to it. What works, what doesn't work. Just like any marketing thing you do, just you test mm -hmm. it, you know, maybe, and you, you know, you and I both know the agreements yeah. that you draft for an employee now is going to change. The law will change. Oh, yes. Language will change. You may want to clear something up because there was an, an ambiguity that you didn't realize when the employee brought up some issue. You're like, you know, I never mm -hmm. really thought about that. And we change the agreements going forward. They're not static. That's right. a very common mistake that business owners make. So if anybody's listening and you have a business and you're operating, write a business plan. Go home tonight and start yes. to write your business plan. Right. Your vision, your goals. template offline. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, Mitch. You know, and I think this is where like what you and I do respectively, where the sort of business advising comes into play and loves yeah as well as business yeah. legal counsel, right? Because I know that you're also a business advisor. Um, like the business plan that you mentioned, where people have a sense of, if you don't know sort of what your markers are, your goals, you know, your, your touchstones, et cetera, hard to know if you're sort of going adrift. It's like, if you don't have a map with directions, you just get out and start driving right. and turning the spring the wheel. No the map, the you can't, right. You can't deal with it. And you can't deal with things like a pandemic when you, you know, you oh, can't yeah. be resilient if you don't know what road you're on and what your business looks like and how you can pivot. And, you know, a lot of people got right. crushed during the pandemic because of it. Right, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned entrepreneurs. I know you also have your, your terrific podcast, the Accents Entrepreneur and stuff. And it's like, I think a lot of them, right, because of their passion and energy and creativity, then they're tend to be very energetic folks like you and me, I'm sure, but they, they have a drive to move, you know, to be going from task to task doing things. And I think for some of them, I've noticed when it comes to like sitting down and writing and planning, it's like almost like I see a certain restlessness. Like in other words, they might think, well, I should be working, not, and yet what they don't have to really understand is that, you know, taking time to hire a business attorney such as yourself to draft contracts and then to look over those contracts, taking time to be part of that process, taking time to write a business plan, you know, it's like sort of, it's basically like getting everything set up, getting, you know, the, the map out back in the old days or ways perhaps plugging in the destination and making sure, you know, your car is all set and the gas in the tank before you just jump in and drive saying, okay, we're going, you know, out of state on a trip and just hit the gas and flood it, you know? So I think that's a really good point. I think those are two, I, mean, I think maybe mentioned perhaps arguably three common mistakes that you know, business owners make. And the reason they're problematic is it leads to the possible misunderstandings, litigation, um, and, and, and so forth. So, you know, right. really good to have that as part of our discussion. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of like, these maybe a, a similar sort of the flip side of the coin of that question. Like we talked about some of the business law mistakes people are missing, the, the basics are missing. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned like contracts, I agree with you are a key business law basic and having, you know, had to have it in, in, your, in your possession as a company. So what are some key, uh, what are some other key business law basics that you believe a company needs to have in place in order to thrive and prosper? On the legal side or just in, in general? I would say legal, but also business from, from the perspective of business advice, like maybe starting with the legal, let's say. We talked well, about Okay, so yeah, mm -hmm. um, they should be set up. And I, I see uh, there was a question that came in from Lance, who is actually a friend of mine and was on my podcast. Oh, Lance. Um, yeah. Sure. And, you know, about setting up your business as an entity. It's really not a very good idea to operate as a sole proprietor, especially nowadays with, yeah. you know, the litigious society and risks and things like that. So yeah. 
you know, even if you're a solopreneur and you set up an LLC online and you can do it for, you know, it's 130 bucks to file it in the state of New Jersey and you don't need an operating mm-hmm. agreement, at least you have some protection to know that there's a, there's a wall and a dichotomy between you as a person and the business as a separate entity. Uh, also probably a little bit better from a tax planning standpoint, keeping track of expenses. A lot of things True. it's hard to deduct as a sole proprietor. So Lance asked the question, is there a downside to setting up your business as a legal entity? No, there's, it's the opposite. There's a downside mm-hmm. to not setting up your business. So I have met some people who kind of started out with a friend in business and it was more of a hot hobby. And they were, I don't know, baking something or making something or crafts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got to the point where it became a real business and they had to start operating. So at, at that point, you got to form an LLC and you do have to have a separate tax ID number. You got to set up a new bank account, new books and records and follow the formalities of actually having a business. If you right. basically set up an LLC and use it as your personal bank account, pay all your expenses out of there. You probably don't have a lot of legal protection either. So don't I'm make sure you separate right. the two of those. But a big part of that is if you um, if you're setting up an entity and you're not following the rules, um, mm-hmm. you can uh, what's the word you can you can really put yourself in, in, in a vulnerable position from a liability standpoint. So one of the other yes. things that I try and get business owners to do, it's kind of legal and kind of risk analysis, you know, risk management. Yes. is to get insurance. Like people don't think about that unless they mm-hmm. buy a car or, you know, y- you need a basic business owner's policy. And, you know, you and I are not insurance agents. Nope. I grew up in the, in the business and I handle a lot of this stuff for clients, but I'm, I'm not a licensed uh-huh. agent. You're not a licensed agent. So I preface it with those comments, but sure. you get a basic business owner's policy. You know, if you own your building or whatever, you make sure your contents are covered. You make sure you have the proper riders in place. You maybe you have employment practices liability if you have employees, mm-hmm. you know, so because true. it will be too late. If something happens later on, there's cybersecurity coverage because people could hack your computer. Things that you don't think about that happen and boom, you don't have any coverage. So you can't. And, and sometimes when you're just starting and you're small, they're not very expensive. Some of the mm-hmm. basic policies have cybersecurity riders and I don't know if they have APLI sure. riders, but if you only have one or two employees, <clears throat> you probably can sneak your way by, but you'll tell them no. And, right. you, know, and you, you put that <laughs> basic yeah. stuff in place for $50, $100 a month, whatever, to know, just like you said, if something were to happen, it will wipe you out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's probably another thing and a, and a piece of advice that I would give people when it comes to getting set up and started, you know, don't overlook those things. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent with you there, Mitch. Lance, thank you for uh, for raising that question. It's a really good one that you. Had. I must have missed that in the chat, but I see it now. You know, and of course, to piggyback on what Mitch is saying, there are different types of entities that one can set up based upon the business's goals. And for example, if you're looking to raise seed money and maybe get investors, right. you might want to explore becoming a C corp or maybe an LLC with the multi-tiered membership units. Um, there are LLCs, there are S corps, there are C corps, and I find that attorneys and accountants also will weigh in on which might be most advantageous tax-wise. But Correct. to Mitch's point, right, and to, but to Mitch's point, the LLC, whether you're an Inc. or LLC, um, you are protecting yourself from liability. And of course, if you're a professional, if you're a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, you have to be careful because you can still be sued for malpractice. But right. if you have a vendor dispute, right, or a dispute over intellectual property that your LLC owns, you don't want to be individually liable. So that's an excellent point. And if yeah. I can add another point to this, which is like, you know, Mitch and I were talking before for those tuning in now about there are legal liability issues like in, in you know minimizing risk, but also some from sort of enhancing your business's value. Um, I see a lot of minority-owned businesses where they're looking for certain grants, like women-owned business, minority-owned businesses. Yeah. And a lot of times they will look to see that, you know, if you're applying for that type of grant, that you have all your ducks in a row in terms of like if right. you're an LLC. Right. Right, you have articles of organization, an operating agreement that you right. published. You need bylaws, you need an operating agreement, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it could even be beneficial in terms of like, hey, you know, I'm, you know, maybe you're listening today, you're a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business, yeah. and you want to yeah. take advantage of those, you know, those wonderful. Right, and for some of those grant programs, you and I both know you're not just a woman-owned business because it's owned fifty-one percent by a woman. You have to. There's certain right. qualifications through the state chamber of commerce through the sure. you know different uh, government agencies that you can get qualified as a minority owned business or as a as a woman owned business in order to do that you have to jump through those hoops like you said operating agreement an entity proper ownership proper documentation all that kind of stuff yeah Absolutely, Mitch. Absolutely. You know, we're actually a little over our break. I think the one minute to break uh, note came in to me at the same time as Lance's um, 
message there. So I will just uh, pause for our break. For those listening, watching tonight, Mitch and I are really digging into the, the basic business law basics that you need as a company. Um, so stay tuned to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. My guest tonight, Mitch Beinhacker, sorry, excuse me. And we'll come back and talk more about some wonderful ways to uh, protect your business. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law attorney. I'm here tonight with Mitch Beinhacker. Law, Business Law Attorney, Business Advisor. And we're talking about really just getting, getting back to business law basics. A little tongue twister there. Business law basics for entrepreneurs, for small business, for employers. Sure. So really glad, Mitch, that again, that you're on the show tonight. I think it's a fascinating conversation. I'm really enjoying what we're talking about so far. Yeah. I forget where we left off at the... Uh... At the break, but um, I was going to say, mm-hmm. uh, I feel we were talking about risk and the, and the basics and stuff. I'm, I'm, and I mentioned to you during the break that um, I'm co-authoring a book. It's called um, uh, 10 Ways to Get Sued by Anyone and Everyone. And it's, it's not ways to get sued. It's obviously ways to avoid getting sued. But we, we, did, a, we did a sidebar um, section of the book, and I talked to a memory expert about mm-hmm. you know, how your mind works and, and why it is that we – that we don't, you know, remember things. And there are tricks to remembering, you know, certain things like people's names and places and, you know, things like that. But it's very common. They've done these, um, I forget what they call them, these different kinds of of brain studies in, uh, I think they call them flashbulb studies or something where you experience these traumatic events, uh, you know, 9-11, the Challenger blew up. And they've they've questioned people about these traumatic events, which you would think would would be more memorable, right? Because we remember all those events as opposed to other things. People's memories of where they were, who they were with, what they were doing at the time, not even close to accurate. They're weeks off. They, they're sure that, you know, 9-11, I was with you at a coffee shop in up, uptown and you tell me, no, I was in Chicago on business and, the, and, and there's a lot of discrepancies. So one of the problems with not putting things in writing, it's not that like, you know, well, someone's going to take advantage of you if it's not in writing. That may be true. But the other person, assuming that everyone has good intentions, which I think that's a relatively good place to start, thinking sure. that people are generally good, it's just that we don't remember things the same. We experience things differently. We take them in differently. We we file them in our brain differently. And when it comes out that we're disagreeing on something, we're both sure right. what the agreement was. <clears throat> and it's always different. And it's probably somewhere in between. But then you as the lawyer, as the litigator, and maybe a judge ultimately, has to sort these things out 
based on all this testimony, you know, certifications yeah. that you're sure of this and that. And you, you know, that's what cases are made of. I mean, you can, yep. you know, you take a deposition from somebody, you don't get to court to eight, nine months later, they're definitely going to say something that contradicts the deposition. It's just, just mm-hmm. human nature, right? Yeah. So it's very easy to trip people up when it comes to that stuff. So it's so important to have things to, you know, to, to put things in place and operate your business in a certain way and, and follow, you know, standard protocols that you do. You onboard an employee the same way every time. They sign the non-disclosure, they sign the non non-compete and non-solicit, whatever it is. They they sign the handbook and, and they yes. they learn what the rules are so they can't complain about it later on. You deal with a customer, and I've had people say, Oh, you know, I'm so uncomfortable. You know, I got to deal with a customer. What am I going to whip out a contract in front of them? I said, well, first of all, if you look at it that way, then you're never going to do it, right? Right. But you have to make it comfortable enough for you to say, okay, now this is the portion of our discussion where we get to the business specifics. This is my contract. You know, take it to your attorney to review it, or you can sign it and take it back. If you have three days to look at it, depends on the industry. Right. These are the provisions, right? Just like you and I do. Mm-hmm. And retainer agreements, it's not ethical for an attorney to do work and not have it in writing. Right. I'm not That's saying right. that attorneys always sign retainers, but they should. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now with e-sign, sure. you can send them a retainer. They can sign it on the computer or whatever. So sure. it's very important to, to set those practices in place so you are comfortable with doing it. And it becomes almost rote. It becomes standard. You don't right. skip those steps. I'm sure you come into situations where there's a problem with an employee stealing or whatever. And the first thing you say is, well, you know, can I take a look at their non-solicit? And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, think, I know we signed one of those. Um, yeah. And they're digging through their files looking. Well, here it is. And you go, this <clears> isn't <throat> signed. Well, but that's the one that we use. Right. Well, that that yeah, might the, not be good, right? You'd have right. to sign one. So, yeah. you know, it, it, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. And, and you know, it just becomes very important for you to kind of put those practices, <laughs> let's call them habits in place to do the things that make it easier to run your business. Then you don't have to be all caught up with, Oh, I got to call Eric. I got to call Mitch. I got to do this and I got to do right. that. Become standard stuff. You know, so much there, you know, about uniformity and consistency, right? In these agreements and in the processes that you have, the process for onboarding employees, for example. Yeah. Uh, the process, they say, for working with, you know, a customer or a vendor, an MSA, a master service agreement, I think, often works well to save and to work to clarify yeah. what's, what's involved. I lost your mic a little bit, Eric. I think. Uh, oh, so you back? back? Yeah, I think you're a little back now. Okay, good. Um, no, now uh, you're now you um, now your volume's gone. The volume's gone. Let me try. Is this better? A little bit better. Okay, I'm not sure what happened there, but how about now? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Up oh, now, you're back. Okay, I'm back. Good. Okay, much I'll, better. I'll stay. I'll stay back as best I can. He's already thrown no, us just... to a break in a minute. Okay. That's a good. I go a little bit over. It's just a lot of breaks on this show. There are yes, important. Get <laughs> everyone digests all this valuable information. You know, they've got. To yeah, well, right, exactly. It's overwhelming. Right? It's, <laughs> uh, it probably just means I talk too much. That's the problem. I think uh, it's awe-inspiring. Is what it is. Instead <laughs> of but no, the points about uh, uniformity and practice consistency is so important. And as you do things right, they become more rote, and they become maybe not rote. They become more routine, less uncomfortable to bring up. And how you bring something up. You can practice. Like I know, I had a, a business where they had they hated to give a release to someone to sign a waiver that someone gets hurt doing this sort of like an activity in a camp based right. Yeah, camps, so, right? Sure. Right, and it was similar to a camp. It was like instructional. Uh, but anyway, the thing is that you know, if and they had a new employee just walked up to a, a family looking at it and said, "Here, sign this. It's a waiver, but you can't sue us." And right. I'd say, no, no, that, that's not the approach. What you do is you know, you say. Look, we've had a very excellent safety record here. You know, you've had a lot of people come through these doors, but you want to make sure, you know, as you know, like everything in life is a risk, things do happen. And so, you you know, here's a, a scam reliability, a waiver, but rest assured, right. we do all we can to keep yeah, it. It doesn't safe. always work. So, you know, how you, right. But how you present things can be difference between sort of that awkward, apologetic, like, I hate to make you sign this, right. versus, hey, this is just standard doing business. So, right. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I really am. And, and also, just the idea that, um, you know, memory being different uh, than what and we generally believe that we said we what we recall is true. Reminds me of those old sitcoms that you and I are probably I think are old enough to recall, where they have like 200 people in the family in a fight, let's say, an argument, and they will describe what happened and they show the screen like blurry, and maybe like you know one character will remember themselves being the angel, 
with everything, like when uh, they didn't want to, the person did was wrong. Then they showed the next person's view, and it was like, you know, they were the, they didn't want to, did no wrong, the person was completely in the wrong, and then someone else in the show remembers the in-between. So I right. think it's important that, you know, we don't have to rely on memory because we have these agreements, and we have computers, and we have all this way, all these ways to, you know, record items. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, with that, I think might be a great time for a, uh, a break. We do have a few breaks in the show, you're right, to hear from our wonderful sponsors. So, folks, stay tuned. You're watching Employment Law today. Uh, a great conversation today. I'm very happy to have our guest, Mitch Beinacker, Beinacker Law. When we come back, we'll have Mitch about his personal approach, you know, to uh, some of these business law basics with his clients and how he distinguishes himself from other business law attorneys. So, stay tuned. Be right back. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Alex Robert. Um, for my sound quality. I'm being told it's not as usual. Above our level here. I've got some issues here on the tech front today, but hopefully everyone can hear me okay now. Is this, am I coming through? Yep, you're coming through. Great. Okay. So I'm um, welcome back once again to Employment Law Today. I'm here tonight with um, our guest, Mitch Beinhacker, attorney and business law advisor, and talking about, you know, the business law basics that entrepreneurs and business owners often skip. We talk about some of the problems that come up when you take shortcuts or you don't use attorneys use templates or no 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 agreements at all we're talking right. about the benefits right of these different like things such as a business plan and contracts in place so i guess my my next question for you mitch and if my sound goes out please tell me i'll try to okay. see can you okay. adjust it sure no um, just want our audience to be able to hear us clearly i'm wondering like what are some specific sort of strategies and unique approaches that that you take the buying hacker law takes in providing business law services for your client business owners like in what ways you know do you differentiate yourself from other business law attorneys and advisors out there sure um i mean beyond like experience right because i i've drafted thousands of contracts so when i'm looking at an agreement i obviously have a different eye to it than someone either has three to five ex years experience or just a lay person trying to do it on their own so there's things that i'm looking for in agreements that make you as a litigator your life easier if something yes. were to happen, right? So that's important. But more importantly, when I when I when I went back out on my own, I started the firm. I wanted to make sure, and I think it's very important for attorneys to be accessible to their to their clients and easy to work with in today's digital age, if you will, right? So mm -hmm. I have so so sure I do, you know, custom work. I do very complex work for people. Um, sometimes it's flat fees, sometimes it's hourly. I try to manage it as best I can for people. But for the small business owner. And for the uh, the younger bid, the newer business, I've done a couple of things. One is we built out a section of our website that allows business owners or mm -hmm. you know even young couples that need like a basic will to go in and to purchase basic documents 
as opposed to, and you know, maybe it costs you more, but it costs you less than having me do custom work for you. You don't want to go to LegalZoom. You want a lawyer to give you advice. You go to the website, you order a basic operating agreement, you order a basic lease, whatever it is, you will, mm-hmm. you'll purchase it for maybe half of what I normally charge. You fill out a Google form. I think it's Google we use. You fill out a form online. The information yeah. merges with my documents. I review them. I send them to you within a few days with signing instructions. There's additional charge if you want me to execute the documents, notarize them, whatever. But you can Mm -hmm. go and you can do that yourself. But at least you know you had an attorney review them, put them together. We've automated the process significantly. We keep adding pieces to that. So there's an estate planning section. There's a business business law section. And there's a um, a, a growing commercial Mm -hmm. real estate section. I think right now there's only one or two documents on there. But That was the first part of it. The other part of it is I have a program um, where I put small business owners on retainer where they get, you know, for the most part, unlimited emails, a certain Mm -hmm. amount of, of, of phone call time or meeting time each month, and then discounts for business work and estate planning, where they also get an Mm -hmm. online vault secure available to them. And packages start as low as $6.99 a month. They go up to like, Mm. I think just about $4,000 a month. And for new businesses, I start them at for six months at $99 a month. So what it allows me to do is to really know their business. The biggest problem with working with lawyers, as you know as well, is that Mm -hmm. if they come to us on an ad hoc basis, we we don't really do a good job because we have to, or they spend a lot of money while you're trying to figure out everything they've done in the past and all the practices they have and what their handbook says. And is this the current handbook? And Mm -hmm. do they have the, did the person sign off on the handbook or where's the non-solicit agreement that's signed? And you're running around their office, spending hours and hours and hours getting to Mm -hmm. know the the, the client. If you're their regular uh, attorney, you're going to have a copies of those documents in the cloud available to you to know what to do as soon as there's something. And the business owners that are on that program with me, and I say Mm -hmm. they're more commonly $14.99 $14.99 a month to $24.99 a month. That's probably the sweet spot for most of the mm-hmm. customers. When they okay. send me an email and say, I have this problem because um, you know, my landlord is moving somebody in the strip mall that competes with me. And it says in my lease that they can't right. do that. I don't have mm-hmm. to then sit down with them and figure all this out. Right. I already have the stuff and I'm mm-hmm. on it immediately. And they get a lot for their money. And it's a much better relationship uh for the for me to service them so that's another way that i i don't see a lot of attorneys doing that and i think at least on the my side of the world where you're you're almost like a fractional general counsel Mm -hmm. which i think is the word we used on the website for the business owner they can't afford to go out and hire a full-time general counsel to be on their staff right Mm -hmm. with benefits and things like that but they can buy some of my time on a regular basis and let me learn their business and know their business. Then I look through their business and then say, you don't have an employee handbook. Well, you, and then I refer them to Eric, Eric puts the handbook together sure. and we know mm-hmm. it's done. We need a non-solicit. We need a non I know the things that I'm looking for that they right. don't even think about the, you know, protecting their intellectual property. Maybe they're, you know, in some sort of a creative business and they don't, they don't mm-hmm. realize until it's too late that they find somebody posted their stuff online to do something with it. And they don't have any agreement that protects the work that they did. So that's a big way that I like to work with business owners on those types of programs. I really don't like to just do an ad hoc. Absolutely, Mitch. I know exactly what you're saying there. You know, it's it's interesting because I'm just pulling up your um, your slide with your logo so I can get sure. it ready for when the show ends later. Bear with me one second. Um, I'll find out. But, you know, you know, just what you're saying there. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, unique way you talk about having the automated programs, but you also review them. So it's not just like yes, an automated yes. program that's sort of in a vacuum. And that's right. very important. And then uh, I also have uh, arrangements for clients, arrangements where they're on retainer for my employment law services. And I tell them the same thing. I'm, I know your business. I know any past problems, Department of Labor. I know what's going on. I right. know any challenges they're facing. You have their records. You have the documents. You know how right. to deal with it right away. As opposed to a new person every now and then who comes and has to figure out, wait, okay, what happened here? What was this audit about? What was going on with this worker? So right. you know, with that, we've got about three minutes to the end. And I want to give you a chance just to take two minutes and share, like, you know, your information. How can we find sure. you and contact you? I'm going to look for that slide once again. But tell us, like, your, your website, telephone, whatever you want to tell us. Sure. The website's easy. It's beinhackerlaw.com. Um, I'm Mitch mm-hmm. at Beinhacker Law, so you can always send me an email. My calendar is on my website. You can set up a free consultation. I do 20 minutes for free if somebody wants to just jump on a call and 
you know, tell me what, what they're concerned about. Um, I'm all over the internet in terms of social media. So there's a Vinehacker Law site on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, and the podcast also doesn't have his own website. Uh, not yet. We're building a MitchBinehacker.com site, that, but the podcast mm-hmm. used to be part of the law firm. So it was kind of getting lost, but there is a blog there. So we post all the guests up there. Um, and if you want to follow the podcast, you can do that on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and uh, we post all those episodes too. Also on YouTube. So the the video, like if I interviewed you for the podcast, you own a company, let's say, the, the video will go up on YouTube. Uh, there's a accidental entrepreneur um, page on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We have the videos up and even the audio versions that are up there um, for people to listen to, to see. You can obviously listen to the podcast on all of the platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon, Stitcher. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bunch of others that we that we put it on. It, it goes automatically up through the uh, through the host site. So that's always a good way to follow me. If you want to mm-hmm. learn if you have any questions. Also, if anybody's listening and they do want to write a business plan, if they mm-hmm. send me an email and ask me for a template, I have a very simple four part template. It was kind of a boiled down version of the of the score. Um, mm-hmm. organization template, which is also available if you do a search oh, for sure. SCORE business plan. It's a more comprehensive, probably a 12 or 13 part business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, just send me an email. I'll be happy to send you a uh, a copy of the uh, of the thing. You go to my website, also subscribe to our newsletter, then you'll get notified. Podcast episodes come out every Friday. Um, we usually put up blogs on like Tuesdays, every other Tuesday, things like that. So Got good it. way to follow me and stay in touch. Mitch Beinach, everyone. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Everyone, it was great to have the show. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm here every Tuesday night, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Talk Radio NYC. If you like this show, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your clients, tell your family. Tune in Tuesday evenings. You can catch us on, as I mentioned, the station or Apple podcast, Amazon, Google Play, Stitch, Spotify, etc. Um, tune in for other great shows on the station. Once again, Mitch Beinhacker, Beinhacker Law, It'll be great to have you on the show. Great topic, and I wish Thanks, you a wonderful Eric. night. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Mitch. Take care now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Podcast, 
Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.